not just a belief of mine. It's a real knowing. Knowing that we can take what we love to do, whether it's baking, sewing, painting, whatever lights you up, then we can take that skill and make a great income doing exactly what we love to do. As author of What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60, Discovering Your Core and Also Your Gift Is Your Niche, it has been my life's work to help others, just like you and me, to discover passions, your purpose, powerful messages that you only you have so they can make the difference they were put here to make. Every week I will have deep, rich conversations with real life people that believe just like me. And here's what they believe. When you do what you love in a career, you will never work another day in your life. And this is the way I like to say it. When passion, purpose, and profit collide, that is when you get paid for being you. I'm Patricia Noldrain. Welcome to the podcast, When Passion Meets Profit. Hello, everybody, and I'm sure that you're wondering why in the world am I calling our guest today somebody that's rare? Well, you'll find out in just a few minutes because she is a rare bird. And it's because our nation, our workforce, our careers have changed so drastically since we all came out into the workforce many years ago for some of us. But before I do that, I was asked this question the other day. She said, did you hear about these brothers that were out of Seattle that were really, really creative during this whole pandemic? And I said, I, no, I didn't. She started telling me about these brothers called Canlis. It's C-A-N-L-I-S as in Sam, Canlis Brothers. And they own a restaurant there. It's a very high-end restaurant. And of course, it got shut down immediately when all this started happening. And especially since Seattle was the place it all started, you know, that was the epicenter at the beginning. And so they, they closed everything down and they said, what are we going to do? I mean, they had 115 employees and they said, we're not firing any of you. So you have to stay here. We have to keep you on payroll, but here's what we're going to do. We have to turn this thing around somehow. So they turned their valet into a drive-in and they started serving hamburgers, the best hamburger in Seattle. They'd have a thousand people for lunch every day. And they started having traffic jams because of that. And now they weren't making the money that they wanted to make with just the hamburger to pay these 115 people. So they started doing takeout, you know, where they would deliver. And so their workers would go out and deliver these dinners to these people. But inside this box was a four course meal. There was also a, it was something to put onto their TV so they could watch a piano player playing while they're eating their dinner. They had fresh flowers in there. And they, I mean, it was just the most incredible story. And people, of course, were buying this very expensive box because it was so wonderful and different. Oh, and they had bingo cards in there if they wanted to play bingo with their children. And then once a week, they gave away prizes for bingo from their restaurant. They opened a drive-in theater in their parking lot if you can imagine, and served all this food to the drive-in people. It's the most marvelous story. I'm so hoping I can get them on this podcast because they were so wonderful. But I let's go back to my guest, my very rare guest. Now, the reason I find that Sue Morton is so rare, how many people do you know in your life today that have been in the same business 30 plus years? That's right. Not very many. That's why Sue Morton is so rare. And I want Sue to really tell her story rather than me give formal introductions. It just doesn't do it for me as much as listening to them. 
But Sue, welcome. I'm so happy to have you on this podcast. Well, thank you so much, Patricia, for having me. I'm, I'm excited to kind of do this for my first time. So Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Well, one of the things I like to start out with, Sue, I ask everybody the same question because it really does prove to me that there are there's common threads that go all the way back to our childhood. So tell everybody what you were like as a little girl and where were you born and raised? Well, I was born and raised in a very small town in Illinois on a farm. And Sometimes when you first meet people, they'll say, you know, tell me something that I wouldn't know about you, you know, just from our conversation or, you know, over time that I haven't known. And when I tell people that I was born and raised on a farm, they they seem quite puzzled because I've become a successful businesswoman and they don't expect that from a little farm girl. Um, I'm the second and oldest of five. And living on a farm, being raised on a farm by a very strong, confident woman. My mother kind of ran the farm. My father worked on on the railroad. I learned that there are no boundaries for women very quickly. My mother used to say, you know, everybody puts their pants on the same way. Everybody should be treated the same way. So I never thought of me being a woman as a deterrent to be a successful person. Being the second of oldest of two, I kind of was responsible for taking care of and and making sure my younger three brothers and sisters got dressed, did whatever, and so a lot of responsibility. But as a person, until I'm going to say my mid twenties, I was very I, I wasn't real confident in my myself. In, in different ways. As a, as a young kid, I was extremely skinny. In fact, people called me Boston Bag of Bones. Now I would, I would give anything to be called Boston Bag of Bones. <laughs> I also was called Pinocchio because I had, I think because I was so thin, my nose looked even bigger. But my mother recognized that that was something that, that maybe I held me back from some things that I wanted to do because of confidence. And so my sophomore year in high school, she said, you're going to get a nose job. And she was just one of these people that always inspired you to be your best. Boy, what a different mom, mom you had. You know, I when you started saying I have this very strong, I was raised by a strong, confident mom. And then you said she ran the farm while your dad worked. That's, that's like shocking to me. But... Yeah. And it's very rare also, Sue, that's maybe why you came out rare. It's very rare that a woman like that, working on farm, raising kids, a lot of kids, and that she would be really strong and confident. And boy, I'm going to take this and this is what you're going to do. And you're going to be a confident woman. And you are this confident woman. I think for all of us, Sue, we all go down that path. And it's such a terrible path. I even wrote a little children's book about it where you're going to run into these kids, these bullies, the the people that make fun of us. You were called Pinocchio. I was called Dumbo. And it does something to you. You know, my ears stuck out and my mother would fix my braids around my ear so that you could see the ears even better. (laughs) I don't think that was a good thing she did. But, you know, being called that and pushed around and stuff, it does do something to you. And I just want 
to have that stop. And guess what? It never will, will it ever? No, I, yeah, it doesn't, you know, and, and some people will say, oh my gosh, you're so confident. And you, when you walk into a room, you just kind of like everybody. And I'm, I, I don't see that uh, in myself. I, I've gotten better. And, and, you know, people, I think some people believe in me more than I believe in myself, but I truly have gotten better over the years. Well, what do you think it is, Sue, that happened? That Because there's no way I would say that you are not a confident woman and competent woman. And so I'm just wondering, what was it that happened? You said this all was kind of through your 20s, that you were not confident. What happened that was the turning point? You know, I, I think I moved away from my hometown, 1,800 miles away. <laughs> I, I moved to Phoenix. And I think that... I made a very conscious effort to be somebody different than that record I kept playing to myself. And nobody knew that I was born and raised on a farm or that, you know, some of these things that I, I always thought made me not as special as the city kids. And I think that that really, I, I just made a very conscious effort to be the person I knew I could be and that, other people thought I could be. That's awesome. You know, I, I thought about that when you were talking about moving away. I think that's when I developed, when I kind of took a step back, I was kind of this big shot in a little tiny town. And then I went to college and I went to a college where nobody would know me. So I could be exactly like you, you know, really be something different, something I wanted to be. And I started losing my confidence in college because I saw all these beautiful girls and these people that were so wealthy coming into the college. And I, I just couldn't even believe that now I'm this little teeny tiny person in a great big campus. And, and it's so funny. I don't know when I got it back again, because I did. But that, that confidence thing where it wanes and it goes away, then it comes uh -huh. back, then you walk in a room and you lose it again, that kind of thing. I just don't know what we could tell people listening today to make sure. Well, there is something. I heard this the other day. Tell me what you think of it. A little girl said uh, on this podcast, she said, I have always had confidence when I was small, when I'm in the middle of my life, and, and I have it now. And she said, as a little girl, I would go to my mom and dad's parties. Now, she said, remember, I'm five years old when I would go to these parties. But what they would do is ask me what my opinion was on something. And then guess what they did? They listened and they commented. And that gave me all the confidence I needed through my life. So that is one confidence builder. What about you? What would you say to somebody else? I mean, move 1,800 miles away, <laughs> maybe. You know, I think surround yourself by people who believe in you, that encourage you, that challenge you to be what you want to be. I, I think for me that that has, even as I... I mature in life and career. I, I have found that I've surrounded myself by very competent, confident women who are successful in their business. And, and they inspire and push and encourage me to be the best I am. Mm -hmm. That's, that's perfect. I love that one. Now we gave two tips on confidence building people. I hope you heard us. That was really good. Sue, I'd love to have you take us on, on this journey that you have been on called the career journey. You know, some people, it, it really zigzags and then other people that it's kind of like an arrow and it goes straight forward. So I'm anxious to hear your career journey. 
Well, if anybody had ever said to me I, was, I would own my own business someday, I, I personally would have said, that's not going to happen. But yet when I look at the things that I did as a child and the things that I had the opportunity to learn and, and do, I mean, I, I was in 4-H and we had to raise a cow and keep track of the, how much it cost. And, and it was kind of like learning a business, if you will. I had a lot of those, those skills, but I started out as a, a court reporter. I loved, I, I played the piano and I, I was a fast typist. So I did very well as a court reporter, but it didn't suit my personality. I, I had to sit there for hours and be quiet. And I'm not a quiet person. I'm a very social, interactive. I like to talk to people and find out about them. And so I, after a couple of years as a court reporter, I, I just decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do. But I very much enjoyed the legal and the law and and that that type of thing. So I started working for law firms as a legal assistant secretary, they called them back then. And I really enjoyed it and kind of thought, well, you know, what's that next step? What's that next level? And so I went and got my paralegal certificate and became a paralegal in a law firm. And then I started a family. And when my son was born, I decided that I wanted to be the one to raise him. If he was going to get screwed up, it it was going to be my fault, not some babysitter or some, you know, daycare. Fortunately, he's a very successful young man and a very, very wonderful man. I'm really loving this conversation, aren't you? But I want to talk to those of you who want to go deeper. We all attended school at some time. Maybe you're attending school right now. But inside those schools are teachers that have the responsibility to teach certain courses. But what they don't teach is really the most important Thing in life, self-discovery. You know the self-discovery that would help us know what we are supposed to do in a career, and also that self-discovery on how we're supposed to make an income to really take care of our families? Well, I decided a long time ago, it's time for me to share what I know so I can help somebody with a step-by-step process that anybody can follow. I created a digital downloadable course called Your Gift is Your Niche, because people were asking me all the time, Patricia, what's my niche? And I'd always say, your gift is your niche. So now I created a course called yourgiftisyourniche.com and I spell niche with an N-I-C-H-E. And in this very affordable life-changing course, I walk you through very simple exercises. They'll not only help you find your unique gifts, but they'll also show you how to monetize your talents and skills. You know, the ones you came into this world with. I'm so glad I created something that I, I, don't even, I don't think, I know it's going to be able to help you in your self-discovery journey because it's a simple six-hour course with action sheets that support everything that I'm saying in the course. And you also get my wonderful book, What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60. That's going to help you also with different exercises in that book. I'm also glad I made it into an, what I call an SPL course. That's a self-paced learning because we all learn in different ways and at different times. I cannot wait for you to get to know the most important person in your life. That's you. So go to yourgiftisyourniche.com, N-I-C-H-E. And if this page speaks to you, then seriously, invest in you. It's time to claim your destiny. Now let's get back to the conversation. 
in, in this world and society. So I started a doing freelance paralegal work and some word processing. And I did some transcription for an OBGYN and another infertility specialist doctor. So I would take my son and pick up their typing every day, their transcription and do it. I had an uh, executive suite that I would go and pick up all the attorney's works and take it home and do it. And as, as a, I was doing this for a year or so, the firms would say, you know, my secretary is going to be out next week. Could you come in? And my son was getting a little older and, you know, I, I had somebody that I felt um, could watch him for a day or two. And so I did. And it basically kind of snowballed to, I had clients that were calling and saying, what are you doing July of this year? And because uh, my secretary wants to go and I won't let her, I won't sign off on her vacation until I know you can come in. And then it got to the point where I couldn't fulfill the, the request. And I got thinking, you know, there's, there's other women that I've worked with that have started families. So I reached out to them and said, you know, would, would you be able to work a day or two? And so it got to the point where I had four or five people out working and I was working and decided, you know, I can't really do a good job while I'm working and trying to schedule these other people. And I, my husband is a CPA and said, you know, there's, there's businesses out there that they, they do this or temp agencies. I was like, really? You know, and I was like, that's interesting. So long story short, I started doing staffing. I, I was blessed to meet you and, and a couple of very successful recruiting firm uh, owners at an association here in Phoenix. And, you know, with the help of, of, you and those other successful businesswomen, I grew a staffing firm that's been in business now for about 30 years. We specialize in legal recruitment, I would say, as opposed to illegal. There, We do both temporary and direct hire in law firms, legal corporations. And it's kind of like morphed over the years into executive administrative because some of the attorneys go to corporations and they want somebody with that skill set and also with the downturn of the economy three times in, in my career you know to stay fluid I had to pivot and do other things career coaching to resume writing to you know doing executive administrative onboarding training type things but oh. I think the one thing that has kept my business alive over the years as well as during the recessions is I based my career on relationships. I, I, I do a lot of things personally for clients, my candidates. I'll, I'll send a birthday card to everyone who's walked in my door. Anyone that I've placed, I take a birthday gift to them on their birthday and I take homemade brownies to the law firm on that day just so they you know, know that I put this person in and 86% of the people I placed over 10 years ago are still either with the same firm I placed them oh, wow. or with the attorney that I placed them with. The attorney may have gone to another firm and, and they've gone with them. So 
That's unheard of. That's talk about why I'm calling you the rare Sue Morton. Is that just everything you just said, Sue? And I loved your story about how you finally got into this. And there again, I, I must say that we have to listen many times because opportunities are right there for us and we're not listening for them. We don't hear them, you know. So here you are out there trying to do all this work and you can't because there's too much work. And so you start asking other women and find out that's called temporary staffing. That's called staffing. And you didn't even know about it, did you? Never no. heard of it before. No. Ah. That's just crazy. Well, one of the reasons I think that happened to you, Sue, is because your mother, all those years ago, this strong, confident mom that you had said, there's no boundaries out there. I, no. I definitely had boundaries set. I mean, it was a nurse or a school teacher for me. And so I love that you got into that whole legal process because you loved it so much or just felt so good about it. And then it turns you right into <laughs> placing people in the legal world. That's That's just an amazing story. And 30 years later, and 86% are still there. That's unheard of. Really, it is. Now, Sue, all those years ago, when you had your little baby and you were doing all of this work, I mean, you were truly an entrepreneur. You were a solopreneur. Did you even know that word at that time? No, I know. I, I think it was more, you know, small business, you know, but no entrepreneur, no. And I didn't realize how rare it was. 30 years ago for a woman to have a business. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. You really are the epitome of the, of the woman entrepreneur. I, I did hear something that you said, Sue, and I'm, I'm just curious. You said, I really, I'm not a quiet person. I really like to find out about people. I like to, because that's exactly what we do in that business is interview people. But I'm just wondering how comfortable you are when it's time for somebody to really interview you and talk about you. Not at all. I yeah. hate it. <laughs> I knew it. And, you know, I never asked you that before, but I can tell you that because we are, we're in control when we're interviewing, we're talking with people, we're very interested in them, very curious about the person. But when it gets turned around, I couldn't even talk. And when people would say, well, tell us about you. No, I can't. I don't know me. <laughs> I don't, right, don't want right. to talk. Yeah. And I wondered if you were uncomfortable. And I don't know if maybe that's part of our, my bringing up, I mean, it was like you were seen but not heard, you know, mm -hmm. so you listened mm -hmm. to adults, but you weren't, you know, it wasn't like you ever, you, you could be seen, but nobody really wanted to hear from you. And, and I think that, you know, being one of five, you learn that there's a lot of people that need to talk. And so you need to say what you have to and let the next person talk. Uh -huh. so, uh -huh. Yeah. And, and I find that you know, I don't think that I'm that interesting, but I find other people mm -hmm. extraordinarily interesting. And you are extraordinarily interesting. As long as I have known you, I did not know this whole story the way that you just told it today. And then, and can't you see why I called you the very rare Sue Morton? You stand <laughs> out of the crowd, period. And when you started saying about relationships that you bring all this food to people, I, I couldn't believe it. Tell tell everybody, because this is something Sue did share with me this year because of the pandemic. She wasn't able to do what she usually does every, is it every Christmas or holiday? Or, or when is it that you would do these wonderful things that you took a picture of? So I, I every year for Christmas, I, I do, I, I call it a little bake-a-thon. And I do these platters and there's about oh, 15 different candies and cookies and stuff on these Unbelievable. And 
I normally do about 75 to 80 to my clients and then maybe another 20 or so to, to family, neighbor, friends. But this year with the pandemic, you know, I, I contacted some of my clients and said, you know, if I brought this, would you guys even be in the office or would you even eat them? And a couple of, I think there was two that said, oh, definitely bring it. You know, we would, we would share it. But everybody else was like, no, we're not even in the mm -hmm. office. And then I had a couple of them say, uh, no, we're, we're not in the office, but you could bring it to me. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I, I did. I, I delivered it right to their home. Oh, my um, Lord. <laughs> but it, it, it's even like about once a quarter, I'll just drop off. I, I make brownies and I make banana bread. Uh, a loaf of banana bread and just drop it off at the, the firm and you know, that's kind of my marketing card, if you will. That's awesome. That's, I mean, that's a that's a lost art for sure. You know, Sue, one time you told me, I can't remember how it happened, but it was a client that hadn't used you in a whole year. Mm. Do you remember that story? I do. I do. Okay, tell well, that story. So, so it was about middle of December. And I are in November, late November, early December, and and I always delivered those trays the second week of of December. <laughs> and this firm administrator called me and said, "Hey, you know, I, I was just you know wanting to make sure or see if you know we were when you were going to be stopping by." And I said, "Oh, you know, I'm going to call her Carol. I, I I'm so sorry, but I, I won't be this year because I haven't gotten any job orders from you." And she goes, well, oh, so the next day, a couple of days later, I get a call and she needed a receptionist for a day. And she goes, okay, now I've placed a job order. Do I get a tray? <laughs> and so I think the word kind of got out amongst the, the firm administrators that, you know, if you want those trays, because I, I, my November sometimes gets a little busier then. I think. Oh, that is hysterical. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Well, she took a picture, everybody, of this tray, and I I couldn't believe my eyes. I'm thinking a little tray with a little piece here and a little piece there. It was a work of art that she was giving to these people. No wonder they were doing business with her. That's a, that's a wonderful story, Sue. You know, I love it each time that I have somebody on. I love to share with the listeners something that's a tangible tool that maybe you used in your life and in your business that really seemed to help you. Could you share that? You know, I think for my business, the, the one thing that if, if, if I could tell somebody to do is set goals, set an, a yearly goal for yourself, but then break it down into monthly weekly and then daily and and hold yourself accountable to it but but more importantly i think tell people who support you what that goal is and have them help you stay accountable I, you know i i think even though i've been in business for as long as i have you know i i have a, a coach you know and patricia you've been my coach for a number of years and being held accountable to something that you want to do and achieve, I think has, has really helped my business and me personally. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that people don't know that are listening to is that you are in the book, The Chosen Few. 
And tell everybody how long you've been married. It'll be 36 years in June. Yeah, see, you are a rare, rare bird. <laughs> you've been married to the same person for 36 years. You've had your business for over 30 years. I mean, it's just an amazing story and and such a rare story. But I loved what you what, what I chose and plucked out to put in the book. Do you remember the one I chose that you shared? I, I, I think the, the one that stood out to you was, you know, my husband and I, through the church that we got married in, had, we were required to do a marriage counseling course. And at the end of that, we weren't, we weren't married yet, but we decided and made a commitment to each other that every six months we would see a counselor, whether we needed it or not, just as a, as a checkup. Well, if anybody's been married more than a minute, they know that, you know, you need those counseling sessions probably more than every six months, the first year or so. And then as as life happens and, and things change and you change and your business has ups and downs and you have kids that are now thrown into your relationship, we would, we would had this agreement that either one of us could call the counselor and set up an appointment and the other one would be there. But I think it truly was successful in our relationship because my husband was open to it and, and not always a lot of men would do that. So I think you know, we, we have a strong relationship because we know that we're not always going to agree or it's not going to be smooth, but we, we work through it and communicate through it or get a, get a count, our counselor, our marriage counselor involved. And she kind of, she ne they never take sides, but they just make you see both sides of the situation. And, and I would strongly encourage anybody who's in any type of relationship to, to make that commitment to yourselves and the relationship. I just love that. I, I would never have even thought of that, that you just go do that checkup on a consistent basis so that your marriage stays strong through all the changes that's just going to happen because you're living life. I, it just really was my favorite, Sue. And that's out of a hundred tips that we shared in that book. So that was really fun. Now, what I do at the very end, and I didn't tell you this, Sue, but at the very end, I always share golden nuggets that I heard the experts speak, which is you today, <laughs> expert. And I, I always like to try for three to five. And today we came up with 11. And so oh. <laughs> here they are. Number one, your strength has to come from within. And I think your mom was a really good teacher of that for you. Number two, but surround yourself with people that believe in you. And I love that one. I, I've never thought of it that way, but that's a really good tip. Number three, make a conscious effort to be who you want to be. Because that's something Sue said earlier. She really consciously made this effort to move and be the person she wanted to be. Number four, sometimes you have to let go to grow. And I think that's exactly what you did when you moved 1800 miles. Mm -hmm. Number five, be open to opportunities because they're right in front of you all the time. You just have to be open and listen. And it, just as you finally listened, Sue, and found out that there was su such a word as a staffing firm and then opened your own. I mean, it's just, yay. <laughs> Number six, consider building your business on relationships. I mean, Sue made a definite effort to do that and continued it over the years until people were literally calling and saying, okay, I'll give you a job if you'll just give me the platter. 
<laughs> I love that one. Uh, number seven, speak up and speak out about yourself because you are interesting. It's just that sometimes we just don't feel that we're interesting like Sue and I talked about. Number eight, you know, I, I said this before when I was teaching goal setting, but I loved how you said it, Sue. Set a goal that's important to you and then break it down into daily, well, monthly, weekly, and daily things to accomplish that goal. I thought that was great. And number nine, my, one of my favorites, do a checkup on your relationship consistently. And that might even be in your office with your office workers that you check up and see how everything is going. Number 10, and I love this, get help when you need it. Look at Sue. I mean, she got a marriage counselor. She has a business coach that keeps her accountable to getting to the place that she wants to get. And then the last one is mine, number 11. Sue, as I said, is a very rare person. I think all of you would identify with that now. But play to your strengths. And that's one of Sue's strengths is she is this relationship expert. And so play to that and tell people about it and make that part of your story. I loved all of your golden nuggets, Sue. I mean, this this has been just the most pleasant conversation that I've had with anybody. So I thank you so much for being on with me today. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me today. Hey, if you got something out of this, maybe you'd consider sharing it with someone else that you care about. I want to leave you with a secret to success in life and business. Aha, here it is. If you can't share a solution to a problem someone is having, that is true success. Now, maybe these examples might help you. I discovered two major problems that I help solve. I really didn't realize how major they were until I realized no one is teaching this stuff. The first one, of course, goes right back to this podcast. What's my calling? What's my purpose? And that's why I created the digital downloadable course, yourgiftisyourniche.com. I already mentioned it earlier in the episode. But finally, I came up with another problem that I can solve, and it's how to live a happy, long-lived, lasting marriage. Now, I created a book called The Chosen Few, and I share 100 tips that myself and others, other long-lived couples, I might say, put together so that you can have a conversation, especially if you're a committed couple. Now, what is the problem you solve? think about it because you might really have something to share with somebody that will change their life forever. We also have a Facebook group. It's free. I'd like you to come on to it because it goes beyond the podcast. It's called When Passion Meets Profit. Until we meet again, it's Patricia Noel Drain.